Welcome to Artistic Beginnings. I'm Mitch. And I'm Melody. We're siblings who grew up working in the entertainment industry and were deeply impacted by the arts. I'm a professional actor, singer, and dancer working in Los Angeles and New York, still pursuing an artistic career. I, on the other hand, am no longer pursuing that career. I went on to become a researcher, though I'm still involved in the creative industry. Artistic Beginnings is all about the winding artistic paths that creatives follow in their lives. We share these inspirational stories with you so that you can learn and grow as a creative. So, let's get into it. I don't remember not being into the arts. I have a pretty artsy family, I guess, sort of. I think my dad probably always had a dream to be an actor, but, you know, went to medical school instead and so didn't. Practical. <laughs> you know, the Vietnam War came and they weren't really drafting people in medical school, but they were maybe drafting actors, you know, that kind of thing. He did a lot of community theater when I was growing up, especially once I got to like junior high and high school. He really did a lot of community theater. So we actually ended up doing some together, which was always kind of fun. I was in the chorus. I don't even know why I joined chorus in like sixth grade or seventh grade, except that maybe a bunch of people who I was friends with did. And I got really into it and most of them all dropped out and I sort of stayed in it. And all I really knew was that I was very loud, which I still am. And I was very into chorus. I did a lot of voice recitals and that kind of thing. And my choir in high school was very like hardcore and did a lot of competitions and we went to Italy and it was a whole thing. So that was like a big deal music wise. And I took some acting classes at like a local place, but I didn't know anybody I went to high school who did that. I did it in like a, the town over and I didn't know anybody at all who did theater. And I didn't even do my musical in high school until my senior year. And then I was like, well, I guess I'm going to go to school for this. I don't even like know that I made the conscious decision because I was going to like, I had a dream for like, I don't even know. I was like, I was like, I'm going to go to Brown. I don't even know why Brown, but I was like, that's where I wanted to go to do English. And then so interesting. it's so weird. <laughs> And I, I don't even know why that's where. Maybe I probably read it in some books that works. I read a lot. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Artistic Beginnings. Welcome back. We're really happy to have you. I was going to say have you in our ears, but I think you're having us in your ears. Yep, <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> we hope you all had, that had a good week. Uh, staying safe still and healthy and cool if you're in hot areas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this week we have Amy, Amy Wilk on our podcast. Yeah, Amy Wilk is uh, a super great example of somebody that can really be in almost any position in the entertainment industry. We learned a ton about uh, front of office, front of house, I guess is, yeah, is the house. proper term. And uh, front of office front is, of office. is more <laughs> my, my, that's my world. Right, office. Yeah. Also a little bit about education. Uh, on location education or yeah. education on location? No, on location education, um, but also just education. And just I, I, the thing that I really love about Amy, I mean, there are lots of things, but especially um, in this episode today, she really, like you were saying, has shown all of the different jobs that you can have within the entertainment industry. And there's so many that I forgot about or didn't know about. And then the ones that I obviously did know about, but it's, I think a lot of people, especially if you're not in the theater world, especially... There's so many moving parts, and in film and TV, too. Um, but it's really cool that she was able to do what she loves and also, you know, support herself. 100%. <laughs> and also be able to move throughout different uh, facets of the industry as well, which is super cool. I think one thing to really take away from this, and as you're listening, really take note of how she leverages and... Uh, finds importance in building relationships and knowing other people because mm -hmm. that's really what allowed her to make the transitions in her career uh, and maintain that kind of consistency. So yeah, take note of that. It's kind of an interesting way of uh, approaching your 
your uh, your path forward. Oh, totally. And it's applicable to everyone. Uh, I think connections in any industry are super important, especially in the entertainment industry. So enough of us talking about it. Let's jump into the rest of our conversation with Amy. I ended up at NYU eventually and just moved to New York. I lived in a hotel at NYU because they ran out of housing and I lived at a hotel on 31st and 7th, which is still there because they like an overflow. So it wasn't yeah. like I was in a dorm with all the theater kids, which I actually think right. was probably good. So I sort of made other friends, which I think is super key to like life. Yes. Um, yes. Especially in the theater. I feel like it can get very insular very quickly. <laughs> yeah. And I, I lived on 31st and 7th so like sometimes at night if I didn't have any stuff to do I would just like walk up to TKTS and buy a ticket and see a show and I saw a lot of things just by myself or I'd you know sort of explore New York and I think that's sort of part of the good thing about my education I guess and then I graduated and then I I think I'm a weird sort of performer I'm not really sure I ever found myself in college as to what I was not necessarily good at, but like where my, mm. where I fit, I'm still not sure I fit anywhere. And I spent a lot of time going to auditions and getting typed out of them. And then I just sort of stopped going. I don't know. In, the, in 99, I got a job selling merchandise. I've had a lot of random jobs, but I got a job selling merchandise in the theaters. It started off at the revival of Annie Get Your Gun at the Marquee. That was the first show I sold merch at. I took the job for a Christmas job because everybody went away at Christmas and I sort Sort of vaguely knew the guy who was doing it from one of my other jobs and he was looking desperately looking for people for Christmas so I was like well I am Jewish I do not care about the Christmas I'll work whatever you need I will take that thank you very much right I still have it. I've had it for 20 years now, which is just kind of absurd. But it's like the constant in my life, which I think is like super weird. And that guy I barely knew is like my best friend now. So yeah, and I've worked at, I mean, I've worked at like, I'm going to say near on 50 shows doing merch. And the company's changed a couple of times. And I know so many people because of that job that I would never have known. I know so many people front of house which I think is an important part of the theater that people frequently neglect. Yes. But I've, I've worked front of house for so long. I know so many people who do that and house managers and company management and ushers and all across the board of the people that sort of, I think are pretty neglected. And from there, I also ended up somehow because I befriended somebody working a show for Roundabout that I am a sub house manager for the Roundabout Theater Company now. I do it like once, maybe twice a week. I would probably never ever do it full time. It's just not the way my mind works but that's also like a whole different viewpoint you have of of how the theater works more as a you know as a hospitality industry and as a business and I don't know I think I think sometimes people forget performers sometimes especially forget that people in the audience are there some of them are there it's the first time they've seen something and it's something they're going to remember like who goes to a Broadway show and doesn't remember it every second so you know you have to give them a moment from the moment they walk in the theater it's got to be an event for everybody and you have to remember that you you know, people spend a lot of money on these tickets and they want to have a, a great time and they want to experience something. And I think sometimes people sort of forget the importance of that. And then in 2003, I decided to go back to school and get a master's in education because I was like, oh, I think I want to teach. I went to Fordham and got a master's and I did it in like 18 months. They have these sort of fast track things and it was a lot of work and a lot of money, but I really liked it. I liked the experience. I learned a lot and I was doing my student teaching. I student taught at LaGuardia, which was excellent. It's an excellent school. It's a performing arts school in New York. And halfway through my student teaching, I was like, you know what? I don't want to teach like this. I just don't, I don't know. Like, you know, so many kids just don't want to be there. They don't want to be in school. They don't want to be paying attention to your English lecture or whatever. 
whatever. I mean, and they have to pass and they have to do well, but it also the classes are so big and there were so many kids. And I was like, this is just yeah, not, it's overwhelming. Think, yeah. It's like, I don't think this is the way I want to teach. I just don't feel like I, I mean, maybe didn't feel heard. I didn't feel creative. There's so many rules mm-hmm. that go along with teaching in the school system. So I, because I know all the house managers and company managers, a, one of the house managers said, why don't you contact on location education? Here's their number. Fax them your resume. Cause it was 2004, 2003. <laughs> oh, we love that. Uh, right. And I did. <laughs> And I went up there for an interview and On Location Education is a company that hires all the tutors that tutor Broadway kids and tutor kids on movie sets and films and all sorts of random projects. I have worked so many projects because of that. I went in for the interview and I got a job fairly quickly because somebody had been let go from a job that they thought they had. And so I ended up right away in 2004 working on the three national tours of White Christmas. And then I had that job for years doing White Christmas. So that's what, I mean, I've been doing that since what, 2004, 2005, something. I've worked on, I mean, hundreds of projects, movies, TV shows. I have worked on commercials. I have worked on mock catalog shoots, internet, web things, Netflix specials, tons of Broadway shows. I have taught so many kids on Broadway and it's such a different way of of teaching kids because you know the at the most the class well theoretically at the most Billy Elliot <laughs> I, I I didn't do Billy Elliot but I did school of rock and we had you know oh. 18 we had 18 19 kids and so there were two of us yeah. in the classroom for that because there were so many same thing like right. King and I we had like 12 so there were two of us because they're really only supposed to be like one teacher for every nine kids or something 10 kids when you are dealing with nine kids and yes they are all doing very different things but you can really individually help them in the way they need to be helped which is kind of great we could fit projects to what kids were doing at the moment and we can you know really have every kid learn in their own way which I really like as opposed to a class of like Here's 30 kids. Everybody read this book. Everybody do this thing. It's a sort of a different way to be creative. Yeah. I mean, also coming from a kid's point of view, like for me, I know it was very beneficial because, you know, my English and stuff was great. And then math, I needed much more help with. (laughs) So having that, you know, individualized learning is is very beneficial. Absolutely. I'm a English and history person for sure, for especially for high school kids. It's just so interesting to see how every kid learns something completely different because there's certain books you read the same every time. Like every kid's reading The Outsiders to Kill a Mockingbird, like things like that. I've easily taught like 40 times now, but every kid comes at it differently. And so sort of taking what one kid does and then applying it to another kid is kind of exciting and interesting. And, and also like all these people, they grow up and they... <laughs> They become completely different people than when you knew them as little kids. And I feel like it's also like a closer sort of relationship. I mean, not all of them, but some of these kids that I really taught when they were little and was an intrinsic part of what was a big part of their life. You know, this Broadway debut or this film they did, they associate me with that, which I I kind of like and enjoy. Yeah, that's super cool. Did you have any challenges getting used to kind of how that process works on your side? Or was it a pretty natural progression into, hey, you're just starting to go into this and you're just naturally picking it up? It sort of depends because every school is different and every kid is different. And some of the schools are super cooperative and send you a lot of material and sort of lead you on the right path. And some schools are like, oh, you're going to go be on Broadway. Screw you. We don't care. 
and will send nothing and you have to sort of make it up. So that's the the most adaptable thing I think I've had to do is that sometimes I'm I'm making up the curriculum sort of following a guideline and sometimes it's no just do this work that the school sent. So that's the biggest sort of challenge as far as that like as my teaching goes. Also, like one of the things I have to remind kids every so often that the school part is as important as the doing the show part. You have to do the school. So if you fail, if you don't pass, they can take away your working papers. And if you're not cooperating in school and the stage management finds out, they can say you're not going on. You know what I mean? So if you have to be a responsible adult as a kid, which I think is extra pressure, but also is like part of this is a job. This is Broadway is awesome and fun, but it's also a job and you have to do certain things in order to keep it. Have you ever used that either as leverage to the kid if they've been misbehaving and have not been actually doing their classwork saying, hey, you, you could not go on stage tonight or something like that? Oh, all the time. 100%. And like if, if they're really bad, I would 100%. I have gone to stage management and said, I am having a problem with this kid. Can you just come in and remind them that this is part of their job? And, you know, like strongly worded message from stage management goes pretty far in that they will say, you know, actors equity says you have to do this. So you need to pay attention to this person and you need to respect them and it doesn't happen very frequently I will say but it's more of a goofing off thing but every so often there's some kid that just doesn't care I'm sure that happens everywhere and everything yeah some kids can be super rambunctious I, I imagine that that's consistent even with professional kids like you're working with they they have their moments and they need to be reminded that hey you're a kid you, you gotta do some class yeah, absolutely. It happens a lot. And it's the laws in the state have gotten stricter in the last few years as far as how you school and where, how many hours you can school and that kind of thing has sort of all changed. So that's all made things slightly harder, I guess, in the long run, slightly harder. But I don't know. I guess one of the other, the other big challenge generally with the job is that you're not sitting in a classroom and learning. Sometimes, and hopefully you're sitting in a, another rehearsal studio and learning or a dressing room, but sometimes you're not. Like sometimes you're in some weird old bathroom or some, you know, a closet, a closet, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And like, just whatever random space they have. Yeah. Like, because it has like, it's legally, it has to be a dedicated space. So that's always very weird because they'll find a space and be like, all right, this is it. And it'll be like, you know, I've been in the worst trailers on TV and movie sets where there's just like, it's just a box and it's cold and there's no internet and like that's you know you just have to sort of make do and hope that it all works out but yeah adaptability is sort of the another thing that's pretty important on that do you find that your past and also present of being part of the industry helps in being able to at least relate to kids and kind of make it a little more fun and engaging i mean i think so and i hope so i sort of think i am one of the more fun teachers that some of these kids get. I think that some of a lot of the teachers are, have come out of the school system and then did this job. And as somebody who didn't come out of the school system and is really only taught this way, I think I'm pretty good at, you know, I'm sort of very no BS and be like, I know what this is. I know what you're doing. Welcome to Broadway and this is how it works. Or welcome to, you know, I get a lot of kids. It's their first thing, their first show, their first anything. And there's just like this huge excitement level. And I, I do feel like I'm really good at sort of being in, being that person that you are introduced to. I do think it's pretty good to get me. I hope it is at least. <laughs> I don't know. I've had my fair share of awful studio teachers, <laughs> and I do think that part of it is because, you know, 
coming out of a school system, it is so vastly different than what you're talking about, where you have to be so adaptable and be able to work in any situation. Like I remember I was on a set once where our school was literally like this random boxed off, like literally taped off area of grass just on some random person's lawn in the neighborhood that we were shooting in. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's, and it, we were just like, okay, great. <laughs> right. And in California, yeah. the laws are really strict in California about where and when and how much time you can teach. And mm-hmm. they're real nuts about that stuff. And they will pull children off sets. And it's also, you know, it's very different to do a film. It's always very different on film and and Broadway. Yes. Broadway tends yeah. to at least sort of have a semblance of a schedule. They know. Yeah, I was about to say it's a little more scheduled out. They'll block out the days. They'll say, oh, you're going to do school in the morning and then you go to rehearsal and that kind of thing. Or they'll, you know, I'm just used to sitting around and waiting. But on a film set, you never know how long stuff. There's so much sitting around and waiting and, and stuff like that. Yeah, they will pull you off and be like, great, you have 15 minutes. Do some school. Right. <laughs> right. And then they'll just shove you back in. It's very weird. It's odd. I prefer, I actually sort of prefer not to tutor on, on movies if I can help it. I'm not a person who really likes to just show up at 6 a.m. Mm. and you may be sitting there all day. I'm like, this is crazy. This is just yeah. weird. And I do a lot of, they do a lot of uh, some sort of child welfare stuff sometimes too, where I'm just the onset liaison to make sure that no one's messing with right, the kids. Right, like a wrangler, time. kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, I do wrangling sometimes too, like for Broadway, but that's also a different sort of story. I only mm-hmm. sort of fill in if they need me, but yeah, that's a whole different thing. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, welfare on a set is really has to pay attention to how long the kids are working and making sure they get their meal breaks and, and making sure they're kept separate from adults. And it's a, it's a lot. Yeah. So I've done a couple of those lately because there's more of a call for that in They've been really trying to get people in New York to to do that, to have somebody on set to watch kids. Because it wasn't Good. really a law for a while. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did it last summer and it was a like a big, like 15 kids. It was a lot, you know. But wow. So for, for the work that, that you're doing and how it relates to all the other aspects of the work, do you pull from any of your experiences doing teaching for any of your other work that you're doing or any work that you're doing on the other side pull into to your your teaching sort of yes like unintentionally you know i don't really let kids know that i have a i'm a performer and that i do other stuff I sometimes do like after a while like they will stumble into something they'll find out that i also do x y or z and then they're like, oh, she does other stuff or their moms will find out or something. And then like, I also, they get very confused. Like every so often I'll be, I'll see a kid I tutor while I'm also like selling merch or, or house managing. And they'll be like, what are you doing here? And I'll be like, well, you know, jobs are jobs, guys. You gotta like <laughs> make ends meet. I feel like the same thing happens with regular teachers too, because our dad is a teacher. And if he's yeah. like in the grocery store and somebody, one of their students sees them at a grocery store, their mind is blown. Yeah. Absolutely. That stuff happens all the time. So I don't, I try to keep it sort of separate, like as much as I can. I feel like I influence, I do some things that are maybe influenced by my other jobs and stuff, but (laughs) every so often, like we'll be doing, I'll be, some kids will be in a schoolroom and the director or the company manager or somebody will walk in the room and the kids will be like, oh, oh, that's the director. And then the director will come over to me and like, give me a hug and be like, ah, and you know, like we'll have a moment and they'll be like, oh, when she says she knows these people, she really actually does know these people because I, you know, you never know. <laughs> you never know. I say this all the time. Like you never know who everybody knows. 
because it's very true of the theater business. You don't know who people know. I say this all the time too about Facebook and Twitter. You know, don't shit where you eat people. Like you don't know who I know. And when you post something horrible on Facebook about some theater thing you didn't like, or you don't know who reads this. You don't know what they're saying about you to their friend who happens to company manage that show or, you know what I mean? People are very unattentive in this day of, of social media about saying things and it's for forever. Oh, that's another thing I'm always telling kids. Like, this is forever. You guys on the Snapchatty, whatever. You, first of all, they all think they're like super sly now. They all think, oh, that she won't know I'm on my phone. And I'm like, I understand how phones work. Maybe some of these old ladies. <laughs> you're like, you ain't getting past me. I was like, I understand when you're like, oh, no, my screen's open. I'm doing work. I'm like, no, you're not. This is you have a thousand tabs open and you're not doing your work. Like they try to get stuff by me all the time and I'm not a complete moron hopefully but I, I say that all the time I'm like you guys you are putting stuff on social media and putting stuff out there and it is forever people can go back and look at this and what you've you've made some stupid comment it will stay with you so it's something I'm trying to impart on the youth of America is man like Get it together. Pay attention to what you put out in the world. Not just the youth of, youth yeah, of I mean, America, but everyone, too. honestly. Grown-ups, <laughs> too. Like, yeah. people are just, you know, they say mean Even things. Even if you delete it, you can still find it somewhere. You can still find it. Just, I, you know, I learned that a long time ago. I work for too many people and around too many people. I don't want some, you know, I saw some piece of theater that I didn't like, and then I put tweeted about it to come bite me in the ass in five years because someone was like, oh, well, you didn't like blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, I don't need that in my life. So I tend to keep those sorts of opinions to myself whenever possible. I'll talk about them in person, but I won't. uh... I was going to say, you just say it in person where there's no paper trail. Right, exactly. (laughs) Just have to check if anyone's wearing a wire. Right, exactly. exactly. (laughs) It's not going to be on my... uh... Twitter forever and not hopefully. directly outside of the theater <laughs> oh my god no I just I, I keep you know stuff follows you I've said that to kids too there are kids who as children had bad reputations for being hard to work with or pay in the butt and then as grown-ups they have a hard time shaking that and I think you know you've got to yes you can use the excuse of oh I was only a kid then but if you were like a little kid it was a pain in the butt no one no one wants to work with you and it I know all the time people ask all grown-up human adult directors and casting people will ask people like me all the time for kids who's a kid you enjoy working with they won't ask about talented or any of that sort of thing but who's super good to get along with what kids are fun well, kids won't cause me grief. So be nice to the tutors because they will tell and you. And also what mothers are nice too. Right. What parents are, aren't are hard to work with. Or if you, if I hire this kid, is their school going to be a problem? Is their mom going to be a problem? Is, you know, that kind of thing. And they ask. I wish they'd ask more, frankly. They don't, they don't ask enough sometimes. But there are people who definitely do ask about that sort of thing. And they ask the Wranglers and the Wranglers are probably nicer about it than me. But I could be, I could point to a school record and be like, this kid is like almost failed or doesn't show up ever like skip school or that kind of thing, which you can't legally can't do. You can't skip school and then show up at your show at night. You have to go to school. There's all these laws about it, especially now they're really cracking down on it. Rules, making sure the kids are following the right direction, everything, you know, education is important. Yeah. 
Hey everyone, just wanted to hop in and let you know where you can find Amy after you listen to the end of this episode. Uh, you can find Amy on Instagram and Facebook at walkitout23, which is her last name. W-O-L-K is the spelling of that. And her Twitter is at walkitout. She also has a game show that she's been doing on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube called I Only Have Lies For You. So go ahead and check that out too. Let's jump into our final questions. What is the hardest thing about pursuing the arts? I mean, I'm sure a lot of people would say, like, rejection is the hardest part. I don't I actually don't think rejection is the hardest part. I just think it's figuring out how to change with what's happening in the world around you. I think that's the hardest part of being successful is it's being fluid because so many people are very rigid in what they want to do. And you've got to be willing to change and adapt because the world will move on without you. If you know, you're like, I'm only going to do this one thing. Nobody wants that. People want to see different changing things. And you've got to be willing to change a little bit or it doesn't work, in my opinion. Does that make sense too? I don't know. No, I think that is... <laughs> I completely agree. <laughs> it's. I think that's one thing that a lot of people don't think about is that they can sometimes have you know, the idea of like horse blinders on where they just are so set in their one direction or their one way that they don't see everything changing around them. And by the time they may achieve whatever they are trying to, they're already 15 steps behind because they didn't see the world changing around them. Right. And you've got to like leave all the options open. Don't close a door of, you know, I'm not going to do this thing because it's not on my path, but maybe it is on your path. How do you know? Totally. You don't know until yeah. you get there. Yeah, it's very true. Our next question is very random, but I'm curious. <laughs> what is your favorite piece of art right now? Well, like right now? Yeah. I'm having a super hard time right now because right now we're in a weird place, right? We're in a weird time and place. And I am somebody who reads a lot. I read, mm -hmm. I would say, four books a week, like some, day, some weeks, three, four wow. books a week. I read a lot. And since this has all started, I haven't read a thing. Mm. Not a thing. I have maybe I've sort of read through one piece of like nonfiction, but I just feel like right now I can't do some of the things that I normally do, and I yeah. can't watch some of the programs. I don't. I cannot watch anything that's depressing or. I you know feel it's that. just so <laughs> right now anything fun and uplifting and you know feel good about life. There's certain things I keep saying to a friend of mine like I wish I hadn't already watched like Shit's Creek like. Like if I wish I hadn't watched that already, because I would really like to experience that from the beginning right now, like, you know, sort of a fun, uplifting, hilarious show. Like I was like, oh, I really wish I could like rewatch Parks and Rec from the beginning oh, without knowing yes. anything about it and just feel like that, like lightheartedness. Joy. <laughs> right. So that's what I would say at the moment. I'm enjoying. I am also nostalgically listening to some old, I haven't listened to theater albums in a long time. I listened to a lot of them in high school and I have been nostalgically listening to some of my favorite musical theater albums that I used to listen to in high school. So like I, oh, I was love listen, that. listening to the Who's Tommy Broadway cast recording. So good. Mm, it brings me, like, brings me back to high school and I love it. That one's uh, at the moment. We love a nostalgia moment. Yeah. Nostalgia for me. I guess that's my answer. I think if you asked me that question like two months ago, I probably would have said something completely different, but that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you have to take things where you are right now. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why we like that question. To completely change the tone and this, this you can take this as literally or figuratively as, as you'd like, but Amy, what keeps you up at night? <laughs> 
I'm not sure that I get kept up at night so much as like I wake up in the morning and I'm like, wow, I was really grinding my teeth through that one. I guess sort of like something bad happening to my family, I guess, is the thing that I would say I worry about. At the moment, I feel like it's so hard to worry about other people because you're so worried about yourself and your relationship to other people. I guess generally I'm at the moment worried about people who don't follow rules and are idiots because I'm going to stay in my apartment because that's the right thing to do. And I guess that I'm worried for some idiot in the out there in the world ruining it for everybody else. I guess that's the kind of stuff I'm worried about. Again, at the moment, this is all, you It's know. very different, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's Again, very heightened. <laughs> right. And I, I mean, I really, like, I, I'm not anxious. Well, I guess I'm sort of anxious. I really would like to go back to work. I don't have any jobs at the moment. I went from having, you know, I had like five jobs. I was working so much right before all this ended and it was very abrupt and I very Mm. much have nothing, no jobs right now. And it's a very big shock to my system. I do not like working that way. I am a always on the go, have a million projects kind of person and having no projects very much messes with me. I can totally relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to just have everything and then immediately it just all stop at once. It's, yeah. it's very shocking. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not a, like a money thing necessarily or a, what am I going to do for employment thing. It's much more of a concern about like, oh my God, I just want to see people and do things and mm-hmm. be around all my people. And because, yeah. I mean, theater is, everything I do is involved in theater. It's so much. And there's so much speculation and such an unsure feeling about what is going to happen that that is, I guess that's the most stressful thing too. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We're all feeling that one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't do well with uncertainty. (laughs) We love quarantine. (laughs) All right. Well, this is our final question. What one piece of advice would you give someone who wants to pursue the arts? My one piece of advice. My one piece of advice would be don't close any options to yourself. Finish school. Try to be a good all-around person and well-rounded person because you don't know what your life's going to be like in 10 years. What if you're like, oh, I really love performing, but I'd also really like to get a master's in directing. Awesome. That's a super great thing to do. But since you failed math in high school, you can't do that the way you want to do that. You know what I mean? So don't like don't close down any paths to yourself. Do all the things, take all the things, take all the classes, try things out. You never know what's going to stick. Who knows? Like, who knew why I ended up singing backup for somebody in a cabaret show? And that led to me having a whole other artistic endeavors in my life just because I said yes to that thing. So I guess that's the thing I would say. Don't say no to things like that. You never know where they'll lead. Hey, thanks for listening. For more information about the podcast, visit our website, www.artisticpodcast.com. If you liked the episode, do us a favor and share it with a friend. It's the best way to help people find our podcast and will help support the show. For updates on new episodes and content, you can follow us at The Artistic Pod on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next week. See ya.